What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Sauce Lab podcast, and I am so happy with what I just saw this weekend. This weekend was a blast, a lot of playoff fun. I'm so friggin' happy that it's finally here. We're finally seeing the biggest games of the season. This is what the NFL is all about, and some of these dudes came to play like I had never imagined. I want to hop right in and talk about two performances that I think is going to be the title of this episode because I was just jaw-droppingly surprised by two performances this weekend where I just said, holy macaroni, what is going on with these players? This is clearly the sign of the new generation officially starting. These young guys that are looking so unbelievable on a week-to-week basis and coming out here against legendary defensive coaches and doing their all Putting the team on their back, doing so unbelievably fantastic. I got to get right into it. I think that when I said the defensive coaches type thing, you guys definitely got an idea of who I was talking about. That dude that I'm talking about is Josh motherfreaking Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Frankly, you guys know as a Jets fan, not a big Buffalo Bills fan, but I need to give credit where credit is due. This man just had probably the best performance that I've ever seen out of a quarterback in my entire life as a football fan. I know that might be crazy. I did witness the week where Nick Foles and Peyton Manning both had seven touchdown games. I've witnessed the Patrick Mahomes versus the Rams in that unbelievably high-scoring game. I've witnessed games where these things happen. But given, if you really take into all the context, the losing last year in the playoffs, who they're going against in Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, the dynasty that I had continuously preached was not over in the weather that it was in. That, I think, is the biggest factor that made it so unbelievable. I think that it was around six degrees in Buffalo during the time of that game. People saying saying that it felt like zero, felt like negative. The wind chills out the wazoo. People's heads were smoking. The breath was able to be seen by the cameras from miles away. It really was a chilly, chilly day. I thought going into it, you guys heard what I had had to say about it last week. I said this will be a very run-centric game, which will make it definitely in favor of the Patriots. They're able to put the ball on the ground, get Damian Harris touches, Ramondre Stevenson touches, and then on the flip side, who's going to be running the ball for the Bills? But that is not whatsoever what happened. Instead, in a game that should have been, or not should have been, obviously, because they ended up winning, so I can't say should have, but people had thought would be a very low-scoring, slow run first game, Josh Allen took a hold of that, completely flipped the script on them, and went to work. This man did incredible. People were saying Stephon Diggs would have bad hands in this game because he's came out and said that he doesn't love playing in the cold. Diggs contributed. Dawson Knox, unbelievable performance, really solidifying himself in my eyes as a top eight tight end in the league, a guy that really broke out onto the scene this year. I've been a big fan of him throughout the entire season and really came to play in this playoff game. Uh, Another guy that I need to give a shout out to, this wasn't really with the help of Josh Allen, but Devin Singletary had a fantastic game, a game that I really think was necessary for his career to re-solidify himself as the number one running back on the team. You could actually argue that there's a different best running back on the team, and that best running back is Josh Allen, funny enough, just because of his consistent rushing attempts and consistent breakaways for unbelievable yards, 11 yards per carry for Josh Allen. But I'm still giving the credit to Devin Singletary. Great game by him. 
I think it was around 70-ish yards, two touchdowns, did great in the ground, was able to open up the pass game so much more. But really, I just need to give it to Josh Allen. The efficiency is the number one thing that I look at. By a landslide, zero interceptions, four incompletions, five touchdowns. You heard that right. He threw more touchdowns than he did incompletions throughout the entire game. That is just something that I could never think of to happen in a game, let alone against the guy that is known and credited as being able to take away the number one option for the opposing team so effortlessly. And his game plan is always three steps ahead than what you think your one step ahead is. But that clearly was incorrect this week. This is one of the first games in history that I can truly remember where the outcome of the game has completely flipped a narrative in my mind. Usually, uh, you guys have heard, I like to have a three to five game stretch where I then like to crown things as fact. Like if a receiver does well, I want to see him do well on a more consistent basis for me to actually go as far as to say moving them up in my rankings, things like that. But this one game, the amount of blowoutness that Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills had, both on the offensive and defensive side, I need to give that as well, that amount, that magnitude of win over such a legendary coach has boosted the Bills so much in my mind and has made me so perplexed on how to feel about the Patriots and Mac Jones and the entire offense and the slow-moving pace of that offense. Overall, I'm going to give a hot take right now. The performance, I'm going to give you the stat line really quickly just because I have it right here in front of me. 21 for 25 passing, 308 yards, 5 touchdowns, 0 interceptions, 6 rushing attempts for 66 yards on 11 yards per carry, 98.5 quarterback rating, 157.6 passer rating, and 38.9 fantasy points scored in a playoff game. Unbelievable performance, hot taking coming. That was a top three quarterback performance that we have seen in a playoff game of all time. I looked it up. I went to go research the only comparable games, in my opinion, given the context. This is obviously the other two had monstrous amounts of yards, but when you're taking into account the defense that they were playing, the time of the game, the weather of the game, what the game plan was supposed to be going into it, all of that, the only comparable games, in my opinion, were Peyton Manning in 2003 and Kurt Warner in 2000 with two spectacular playoff performances. But this Josh Allen one will be held up in history as one of the greatest passing performances in NFL history, and t hats off to him. He is solidifying himself as the face of the new generation, one of, but Josh Allen really showing that he belongs in that group. So there I am sitting on my couch thinking that this was the end of the monstrous performances, and this is something that we will never see again from a quarterback in the playoffs, and oh, this is the pinnacle performance that we have seen. And then that night, or I, the next day, I was treated. They tied it with a bow with another spectacular performance from a quarterback. And that being the guy that you guys know that I love to show so much love to. That I love to celebrate and brag about and just talk about how unbelievably great he is. And that is my man in Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes. This man's stat line against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought that he was going to have a good game, but this is just nowhere near in the realm of what I thought. 30 for 39 passing, 404 passing yards with five touchdowns to go along with it and an interception. Three carries for 29 yards on an average of around 10 per carry. 86 quarterback rating, 138.8 passer rating, and 37.1 fantasy points scored. This 
game unbelievable. I knew exactly how the Patriots were going to go about it, and they did that to the best of their ability and some. I saw a great game from McCole Hardman. I saw a great game from Byron Pringle. I saw a great game from literally everybody on the Kansas City Chiefs offense. In that first half, it seemed a little stagnant, especially in the first quarter, but as they kept moving, as they kept rolling, they were just showing how effortless and easy it is for them to score these mass amount of points. I actually saw, I don't know if you guys saw on Instagram and Twitter, the hilarious disclaimer that they put on their screen. They had ran out of fireworks. That is just how good their offense is, that they ran out of fireworks in the arena five touchdowns by Patrick Mahomes Tyree Kill really showing and continuing to remind people why he is so elite why he's looked at at such an unbelievable level and it really is the speed that is unmatched by any other player in the entire NFL just a trait that like even when comparing DeAndre Hopkins's hands or Justin Jefferson and Keenan Allen's route running or other things like that Mike Williams go up and get it ability the difference and the differential between those players and their next player is so much smaller than Tyreek Hill versus the fastest receiver. Because I really just think he is in a complete league of his own. And he's able to do some stuff that regardless of how bad his hands get, regardless of how many corners double him, he will always have the explosiveness that is just so hard to get after. One of the fastest players we've ever seen, probably the fastest player that we've ever seen in the NFL history. I need to tip my hat to him. Tip my hat to Patrick Mahomes and another hot take incoming. Patrick Mahomes, though it was not top three, though it was not Josh Allen good, just because it was against a little bit worse of a defense. Definitely climates were a bit better for his situation. They were the big time favorites going into it. Things like that leads me to believe that he's a little bit lower than Josh Allen, but Patrick Mahomes still put on a top 10 playoff performance for a quarterback of all time, leading me to say that within one weekend of football, two days in a row, we saw two top 10 playoff quarterback performances in a row cherish these times if you are my age i don't all i continue to hear from nfl analysts and nfl media members are please do not take these amazing players for granted realize that we are living in a generation we are seeing the beginning of the careers of the hall the future hall of famers in josh allen and patrick mahomes yet we're also getting to witness the end of aaron Rodgers and tom brady this time is so unbelievable for the nfl i don't care what the referees are saying this is a incredible time in the NFL. The passing era is the highest time that it has ever been at, and I am having so, so, so much fun watching it. Thank you to you two for giving me immense entertainment for the weekend and for giving all football fans such an amazing thing to marvel at as your performances against these guys that are professionals, that get paid millions to stop them, and they just seem so incredibly unstoppable. Tip the hats to Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, both top 10 performances of all time. The next segment of the show that I'm going to get into is looking to next week. I am going to give you guys my rundown, who I'm predicting for each of the games of the playoffs. I don't want to do an extreme analysis because it's not too far off from what the original predictions were. Last week, I ended up going four for six on my predictions. My two incorrect picks were the Patriots over the Bills and the Cowboys over the 49ers. 
something that I really do want to give myself a pat on the back for is I did predict only within a differential of three points the Cardinals-Rams game exactly correct. I said that it would be an over 20-point blowout for the Rams, which I was correct on. I thought that it would be a little bit too much for Sean McVay over Cliff Kingsbury. Just that coaching differential was too much to overcome, and I was very correct on that. But the other two games, the 49ers game and the Bills game specifically, I did get those wrong. So some things to pat myself on the back for, some things to not. But now we're just going to look to next week. I'm going to be ranking my confidence in these teams going into next week. I know that at this point in the league, or at this point in the year, we should not be confident on anything. This should all be a toss-up. This should all be in any given Sunday, depending on who's healthy. Things like that are really in play at a time when everything is so on the line and all these players are playing for their livelihood. This is what they all are doing this for. They are trying to go to the big leagues, the big game, and hoist the Lombardi. So I think that all of them are so much closer than people give it credit for. But this is my order of how confident I am for next week's games. Number one, the most confident game that I have. I know that this is unreal because a lot of people actually have it going the other way. And I not only have it going this one way, but it's number one on my list. And that is the Cincinnati Bengals go on to beat the Tennessee Titans. Not sure who's actually favored in this according to betting spreads, but I just feel so, so confident in the Bengals over the Tennessee Titans. I think that Ryan, you guys have heard me say it before. Ryan Tannehill at this year is mediocre at best. He is a filler quarterback who does very well in a play action scheme. And all that the Bengals need to do is be able to just slow down Derrick Henry. They don't even need to stop Derrick Henry, but as long as they can get him to a manageable amount and he doesn't take off and go for 200 yards or more, then I think that they have it in the bag. When I look at the cornerbacks in the Titans secondary and I see the three receivers, the tight end, and the two running backs for the Cincinnati Bengals, as well as Joe Burrow behind the helm, I just do not think that there is a way that the Titans can stop all of them. I think that if their game plan is to truly shut down Jamar Chase, T. Higgins will have a good game. I think if their their game plan is to shut down the outsides, then I think Tyler Boyd will cook in the slot. And I think that if they do a very good job of pressing man and get to the quarterback, which I really don't see as a consistency just because it would likely be Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons doing the majority of that work. Bud Dupree, I don't love. Danico Autry, okay, nothing above average. Uh, Daquan Jones, just different guys on that Titans team that I think are pretty average that won't make too much havoc, at least when comparing it to another team that's in the playoffs. But I think that if they really do a good job of covering all those up, then I think an easy dink and dunk system where they keep everything short, Jamar Chase on slant routes, CJ Ozoma five yards over the top, he'll get a touchdown or two. I think that they can really shift their game plan depending on the front that the Titans come out in and overall just have that upper hand on the offensive side of the ball. I think that it is more than enough that the Bengals will come out to a very solid early lead. It will be a pass-first game where the Titans aren't able to just continually, continuously feed Derrick Henry again and again and again. And personally, I have been researching since I have said it last week, since people have came out to me and said, no, what are you talking about? Derrick Henry is the best running back in the NFL, and he's going to do fantastic. I keep looking up 
instances where players have came back from a devastating, almost season-ending injury in the playoffs and gone on to win that playoff game, and I just cannot seem to find one. I think that Derrick Henry is probably in the class of players that can, but if it's never happened and we're going off of logic and looking at the past and things like that, I don't see this being the first instance of it, especially going against a team as red hot as the Bengals. I think that if the Titans maybe got one or two more pieces, say that they added a really solid linebacker and another decent corner, it would definitely be a a much closer game. But right now we're seeing Eli Apple playing so great, Mike Hilton playing out of his mind, Logan Wilson did a really good job of manning the middle. And then on the defensive line, I think that it's really going to be a big factor whether Trey Hendrickson plays or not. He was injured in the last game. But those big guys in the middle, DJ Reader, Larry Ogunjobi, BJ Hill, Khalid Kareem, these dudes in the middle will do a very good job of at least trying to shut down that inside run. If Derrick Henry starts popping it outside, this is a different story. But I think that based on what is currently in place right now, Bengals are my most confident win of this weekend. Number two, this one, another great matchup. Another one that I could really see it coin flip in either side. But if I had to give it to one, it would be Packers over the 49ers. This is really just overall coming down to Aaron Rodgers in his revenge game from two years ago. This is him doing his final dance. I really think that this is a memorial run. This is like, I've done so much with the Packers. Let me go back and go through my years. And I think that it would be so poetic for him to beat the team that ended up beating him to go to the Super Bowl two years ago, then going the next game to go beat Tom Brady, who is this unbelievably accomplished quarterback who has really always seemed to be the one that takes away his possibility of a Super Bowl. I mean, not him specifically, because a lot of the time he was in the AFC while Aaron Rodgers was in the NFC, but it would be so poetic for him to beat the 49ers, then go on to beat the Buccaneers, then go on to win again. So even though I think that the 49ers match up incredibly well against the Packers, Aaron Rodgers is enough of a factor that it's going to be too much to overcome. I think that if the 49ers do go on to win, it will be behind the hands of an unbelievable rushing attack coming from Elijah Mitchell and Devo Samuel. I'll get into Elijah Mitchell a little bit later. I want to talk about him a little bit more. But overall, I think that Nick Bosa will do a very good job at getting to the quarterback. If Bakhtiari's in, then it'll definitely be a much easier showing. And if he's looking like his old self, then Bosa hopefully won't be getting to the quarterback as easily as he probably would on a different occasion when Alan Jenkins is slid out there, or neither of them are there. And it's like Dennis Kelly and Billy Turner or some other like backup type tackles, that is really going to change up the game. But if they have both of the guys that they really want to be in there, then I think that it is the Packers show. It is going to be a very, very close one. But just because of the Aaron Rodgers over Jimmy Garoppolo situation, I'm going to have to give that one to the Packers. Number three, this is another one. I definitely do feel confident, but again, it is anybody's game and it is a team that I love. I've been saying the only way that I think that the Rams go on to lose in this playoffs is if they play a legend. Those legends being Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, or Aaron Rodgers. And guess what? He's going up against one of those legends. And guess what? 
I have Tom Brady. I know, I know, I know. Buccaneers wide receivers are injured. Buccaneers had coaches and as good as Sean McVay. The Buccaneers don't have as much star power on their defense as the LA Rams do, but the Tom Brady effect is enough. I have told you guys countless times, and I don't really need to repeat it again. We don't vote against or bet against or think that Tom Brady is going to lose in a playoff situation because reality is he probably won't. So he's going to continue to do the things that he's always done, and I really do have confidence in the Buccaneers. I really liked what I saw out of their defense going up against Jalen Hurts, made him look like a practice squad type quarterback. I definitely, I'll get into Jalen Hurts a little bit later when I break down the losing teams, but ultimately I got to give it to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And then the number four team, the team that I am least confident in, but I'm still going to pick as my favorite in this game. I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs over the Buffalo Bills. The reason why I'm not so confident is because of what Josh Allen looked like yesterday and because of the Stephon Diggs revenge game. Those two reasons alone are going to keep my money as far away from this game as humanly possible because I really do think you guys just heard me preach how unbelievable unbelievably good Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes both were this past weekend. I think that this has the chops to be one of the best NFL games in NFL history. So excited to watch this one unfold. Like I've said before, I'm not going to root against Patrick Mahomes because I really do think that he has a destiny to fulfill where he continuously is unbelievably good for the next five to seven years and nonstop keeps getting there and getting to the Super Bowl. And whether he keeps winning or not or keeps getting close I think that he has a destiny and he's just gonna keep going and going and then there will be times when people say that oh the 50 million contract is too big and the defense isn't good enough and he needs another second receiver and he just keeps going and he keeps shutting down the haters and keeps moving forward I think that an unbelievable amount of money is going to be on the bills which is why I could definitely see it going back to the Chiefs as well again it's very toss-up in the air it is my least confident game but I have to go with the Kansas City Chiefs in that one all right, and then now for the next segment, I just wanted to give you guys two individual players that I saw this weekend who I referenced in my first episode that I just want to give you a little update on how they've been doing, how I feel about them going forward, and my views. And those two guys are Elijah Mitchell, running back of the San Francisco 49ers, and Odell Beckham Jr., the wide receiver for the LA Rams. First, Elijah Mitchell, this dude went to work, and this is exactly what I said would need to happen if the 49ers were going to go on to win that game in the first round and go on to beat the Dallas Cowboys, and that is run the hell out of the ball, and that is exactly what they did. They really found big openings. It wasn't too hard for them. I mean, to be honest, when you have Trent Williams on your line and Kyle Shanahan is your coach, it is pretty easy to get these yards, but Elijah Mitchell is so elusive, so shifty, can find the hole very well, I think is under underrated in the speed category, and I could definitely see something where he does some Raheem Mostert type thing against Aaron Rodgers to go on and win again. You guys have heard, I'm still betting on the Packers. I'm still assuming that the Packers are going to win. But if there is a way that they don't, it is going to be the Elijah Mitchell show. I think that Debo Samuel, though he is an effective running back, works so much better as the slot wide receiver who gets end arounds and things coming out of the wide receiver position rather than out of the running back position. But when you really looked at the runs, almost all of the runs that to running backs were to Elijah Mitchell. The real, Jeff Wilson wasn't involved. Obviously, Raheem Mostert is out. We didn't see any of Trey Sermon. And Debo Samuel was really looked at as the secondary running back, even though he was also the first and primary receiver. 
So overall, just my views, I think Elijah Mitchell going to be a fantastic piece next year, going to be a fantastic piece going forward, regardless of the win or the loss. He'll be very, very pivotal for the San Francisco 49ers offense going forward and in this game against the Packers. And then the number two guy that I wanted to talk about was Odell Beckham Jr., a guy with such a storied career. I love thinking back to his Giants days where he was so electric and flashy then the end of his Giants career where he was quote-unquote the diva of the NFL. That's when he was turning into the face of the new youth wide receiver movement with the spectacular catches and agility and thin speed and things like that went to the Cleveland Browns did not have a good career whatsoever on the Cleveland Browns really was a number one option who was more looked at as a decoy they didn't get the ball to him enough and when it did he just did not seem like he was fitting correctly and now here this season was traded to the LA Rams who just seem like they consistently keep wanting more and more and more players and at this point Odell Beckham Jr. looks spectacular I have to say it Based on what I've seen out of Odell Beckham Jr. in his past, based on what he's able to do right now, how fluid he looks in this offense, this week he was the highest PFF grade wide receiver in the entire NFL. He commanded cornerback one attention, didn't drop anything, looked incredibly smooth on his routes, on his ability to get open, things like that. At this point, I would go as far as saying that he is a top 12 wide receiver in the NFL. That might sound insane, but in the Sean McVay offense with Matthew Stafford, with Cooper Cup running the slot and taking away the inside action, and he's able to just cook on the outside, his ability to go up and get it in the red zone, all of these different abilities combined, I have to put him there. Just so that I have backups to go with my take of him being a top 12 wide receiver, the players that I think are definitively better than him right now at his position Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, Jamar Chase, Keenan Allen, CeeDee Lamb, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown. And then the guys that I think give him a run for his money that are close in that area are Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Chris Godwin, and Jalen Waddle. They all give him a run for his money, but overall, I'd say that he's definitely within that 12 to 14 range. And that is unarguable at this point. With his consistency of scoring touchdowns, his consistency of getting open, his ability in this offense, I think that the pass last night just shows the crazy play calling of Sean McVay. I think that honestly he should and probably will be used more in the end around game and some wide receiver sweeps and things like that where he's getting handoffs as well. So versatile, so fast, and looking like his old self. I just want to give a big pat on the back to Odell Beckham Jr. And now, last but not least, I'm going to get in with my final segment, which is going to be called, So You Lost the Playoffs, What Now? And this is where I'm, I, I really like that title. <laughs> so this is where I'm going to be going into the, all the teams that just lost this past weekend and saying what I feel they should do in the offseason to get back into that same spot, if not higher. And for a lot of these, I, I actually might make it a tradition. I think I might do it every single week now going forward as the playoffs keep getting deeper, but I think that if they keep getting deeper, then they probably will have no no big changes that need to happen within the front office or on the roster. They just go into next year just filling their small holes, and that's about it. But this week, I think that this one is the most important because there are some teams that, in my opinion, should have just not even been here in the playoffs, and that is clearly evident based on their playoff performance. So I'm going to start it off with number one, the Philadelphia Eagles. 
So for the Eagles, what I have them doing this offseason is I think the biggest thing is keep waiting and developing the young talent. I think Hertz actually has not reached his peak yet. I think he's going to consistently get better. I think Sanders, though I'm not the biggest fan of him, him and Gainwell will at least interchangeably be the one and two going forward, I think. Devonta Smith needs to consistently get better. Dallas Goddard, you can make a very good case that he could become top five tight end in the next year to two years. And I think that there's some guys on that defense, Josh Sweat, TJ Edwards, different guys that I think have not fully reached their potential. So I do think that they have some talent that they can continue to develop. But I think other than that, they need to correctly keep and get rid of some of their older guys. The six guys in particular that I see for next year that are over 30, that are getting paid a ton of money, that they can't keep all six. I think that you need to keep three or four of these six. And that is Darius Slay, Brandon Brooks, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, and Brandon Graham. I think that you cannot. I think that you had you could have added Ertz to that list last year, but they did the right thing and got rid of Ertz and shipped him off to the Cardinals. So instead, I now have the the players that I think that they should keep for next year are Darius Slay, Jason Kelsey, one hundred percent. Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox are the two up in the air guys, and then personally, I think get rid of Brandon Graham and Brandon Brooks. Both of them, the Brandons, gotta go. Too big of a hit on the salary cap. Graham, clearly the worst out of the whole group. Brooks rarely stays healthy. Rather than just continuously paying these guys large amounts, get them off the books, get rid of them. So I think that they're in a very good spot going forward. Definitely address those things, but that is all they need to do. Cardinals. This one, not too pressing, but I definitely think that if they're trying to fully maximize this team, maximize Isaiah Simmons, Buda Baker, Byron Murphy, Kyler Murray, James Conner, DeAndre Hopkins, Zach Ertz, DJ Humphreys, all of these guys, you got to get a new head coach. Cliff should go. It's not so pressing. He definitely is good enough. But when you look at Kyler's years in the league, he has underachieved, I'd say, three out of three times. This year, I think that the Cardinals felt very similar to last year's Steelers in that they came out to a blazing hot start, but they didn't have enough talent that even when teams started to recognize and understand what's going on, they couldn't overcome that. They were then deflated as soon as they contained Kyler. Their defense clearly showed that they have holes in the secondary, in the linebacking unit, on the defensive line, different things like that. They definitely had their holes, and I think that a different head coach would have done a much better job at masking those holes. So I think Cliff Kingsbury should go. And number two things, this is not in their control, but I think that if this dude was playing, it would have been a whole different mantra and storyline from that game. But it is keep DeAndre Hopkins healthy. However they can do it, it takes so much pressure away from Kyler. It opens up the run game. It opens up the entire offense, the spread system that they run. I really think that if they want to go anywhere, you keep Hopkins as good as he possibly can be. Number three, Steelers, please, please, please find your damn QB. That is all I ask of you. You are a quarterback away from being elite. I truly do believe that. And this is the tiers on how I think it should go. Number one tier, get the three quarterbacks that I think are going to be heading the carousel. You guys have heard, I think that Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson all switch teams. Those should be their three key try-to-get-it guys. Number two, 
would be to go out and get a mid-tier type guy. That would be Derek Carr if he leaves, Kirk Cousins if he leaves, Ryan Tannehill if somehow they choose to deal him, Matt Ryan if they choose to deal him. Some of these mid-tier veteran guys, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe Carson Wentz, just some of these guys that are in the mid-tier that are good enough to get it done. All those guys that I just named are probably better talent-wise overall than Ben Roethlisberger was in that game, even though it was a final game. So great to see him go off on a good note that the Steelers fan base loves him, but this is just not the quarterback to get it done with that defense, with that receiving core, with Pat Fryermuth emerging, with Najee Harris emerging. Get a good guy. And then the third tier after the mid-quarterback would be to move all the way up in the draft and get Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral do not sleep and get a Malik Willis in the second round and have him fighting against Dwayne Haskins because you're going to get rid of your time when you can utilize these amazing pieces. Deontay has a drop problem, it looks like, again, and that's going to start to come back if they have a bad quarterback. They're going to not get the most out of Fryermuth and Najee, like I just said. They're going to waste the career of Minka and TJ waiting for the development of their quarterback when instead they could push all the chips in the middle of the table, go, we want to Deshaun, we want Rodgers, we want Wilson, and give anything that you can to go and make the Super Bowl right now, because I think that if they do, they probably will. And then the second part that they need to do, which is a lot less pressing than the quarterback, but still necessary, upgrades on the O-line, especially tackles, and then try to gain youth in the secondary, because while they are good for now, Sutton, Hayden, those guys are not going to be good forever. So I think that you got to get some young guys to get in that mix as well. The number four team that just lost this weekend that needs to do something else is the Dallas Cowboys. And I think that this one is pretty pressing. Fire Mike McCarthy. I think that they definitely could give him another year. They probably will give him another year. But if they're really trying to maximize Dak and this offense, then ultimately I think that Mike McCarthy is not that guy. If I'm being completely honest, this, this might be a little bit hot and a little bit too jumping the gun for me to say it, but I definitely could see a way that we look back next year and say that this take is right right now, and it's that Dak Prescott is an above-average quarterback, but nowhere near elite, and the fact that he has this receiving core right now and was only able to get up to the wild card and lose maybe shows something on him. I know that at the end of the game, they had called a running back, a quarterback sneak, which was such a weird ending to a game. I don't even want to get into that because I don't want to take a side on whether the refs were correct in not replaying that final down because the ref bumped into the center or not. So I'm just going to completely gloss over that, but I think Dak Prescott, in some people's eyes, could not be, could be the guy that is not a Super Bowl quarterback. He is just a playoff quarterback. He is just a good filler guy. So ultimately, I think firing Mike McCarthy, I don't think that you need to get rid of Dak Prescott, but at, le at least be on your mind as you've just paid him so much, as he's going to take up so much of your salary cap going forward. I think that that needs to be at least in consideration. And then another thing that I think will help out their defense a lot is get another safety alongside J. Ron Curse, preferably a coverage safety, not a run support safety, to really ease the pass rush and allow more time for the edge rushers to get to the quarterback and to help Trayvon Diggs in his woes as a coverage player. I know that Diggs has these insane interception numbers, but he really is so bad at locking down players. He's more of a zone type, really athletic, can go up and get the ball, but isn't so good at locking down a guy. So coverage safety to stop those woes will be very necessary.
Next team is the Las Vegas Raiders, and I personally think they need to blow up who currently are labeled as the stars and make the young guys on their team the new face of the team. So they started it by firing Mike Mayock, firing John Gruden. The coach can be Rich Basaccia because I think that he does have kind of a new mindset. But honestly, at this point, after that loss, I would be fine with them firing him and doing doing an entirely new regime where the general manager and coach are friends and on the same page and understand the same conception of how they want their team to be built and what they want it to look like and things like that. So I don't think that it's necessary that they keep him back. The next thing, keep their high-valued younger players, which is Colt Miller, Max Crosby, Trayvon Merrig, Nate Hobbs, Hunter Renfro, Trayvon Mullen. Everybody else can be on the block. The guy that I'm really in the middle of that I don't really know how to feel about at this point is Darren Waller, their tight end. Honestly, I could go both ways. I could definitely say keep him, and he's the really good piece that'll help their next quarterback who comes in elevate the whole team and go to higher heights but I could also say he's going to be paid a lot he's already pretty old he came into the league at an older age and it should be time to look to trade him while he's still looked at as one of those quote-unquote elite tight ends before he falls off and then can only go for a fourth round pick instead of right now can probably go for like an early second or maybe another player swap that'll really help them right now then last but not least the guys that should be gone Personally, I think that he's unbelievable, but by keeping him and having these holes on your roster, you're doing a disservice to the Las Vegas Raiders franchise by keeping Derek Carr. I think at this point, you trade him for assets, get one to two firsts from a team that is quarterback needy like the Steelers, the Bengals, the Saints, the Panthers, the Uh, There are so many teams that could really fall into that category, but I think Derek Carr could definitely get traded. I honestly think trading Josh Jacobs while his value is so high is not a dumb pick. It's not a dumb idea whatsoever. Currently only 23, 24 years old, so young, and you could really sell him on the idea that he is still yet to reach his full potential, when in actuality, I think that he's one of the worst efficiency-wise running backs in the NFL, running behind a pretty bad O-line. Even though he did do pretty well in that playoff game most recently, I think it's just because it's such a run-heavy scheme, and that's who they just continually ran the ball to. But I think that Josh Jacobs getting traded is not out of the cards at all. I also think that you need to get younger at positions like where Yannick Ngakwe is, Casey Hayward, Denzel Perryman, Nick Kwiatkowski, Richie Incognito, Kenyon Drake, Desmond Trufant, Deshaun Jackson, Jonathan Hankins, Cleland Farrell. None of these guys I really see as having this higher ceiling than they've already reached, and we've just seen if they're all on the roster right now, rather than patching up this mediocre average roster with more average guys to then have them maybe jump one seed next year, blow it all up, keep the young guys in place, have an abundance of picks and cap room to go into next year and try to get that either rookie quarterback of the future, get somebody else like that, where you don't need to worry about the burden of having an above average quarterback, but not an elite one who can push you all the way to something like the Super Bowl. And then the last team that I have on this list is the New England Patriots, and this one I am just lost. I don't know where to go with this. This is one of the first truly opinion-bending games that I've ever seen, so I really don't know where to go with how to rebuild them. I personally thought that they'd be in the conference championship this year, 
I think that if I had to give them two, it would be get an elite number one receiving option, whether that's out of the draft, some Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, somebody like that, or in free agency, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, Mike Williams, somebody like that, get an elite number one receiver option. And then the second thing would be get youth on defense as backups, just in case the rotational guys start to downfall as they get older. On their defense, even though their defense is obviously so great and so consistent and efficient, they've got some older guys in Judon, Hightower, McCordy, Van Noy, Phillips, Lawrence Guy. Like all these guys are pretty, pretty old and could definitely have a complete shoot down very, very soon. I think with the Bill Belichick system, it's very hard. So I'm kind of just grasping for straws at this point. But if I had to give something to the Patriots, that would probably be my take. And that is all I have. For you guys today, I, I know that that was a pretty all over the place episode, but I really wanted to get all of my ideas out there in different segments throughout the podcast. I hope that you guys loved it. I hope that you guys, like I said, are taking in how fantastic these playoffs are. And I think that this week could have some games that we remember for the rest of our lives. This Chiefs-Bills game, if it fails my expectations, I'm going to be very, very upset. But overall, Looking forward to it, of course. Looking forward to more playoff football. Honestly, looking forward to the offseason as a Jets fan. That's all we ever look forward to, it seems like. But I'm having so much fun in these playoffs. I hope that you guys are too. Have a great week. See you guys after the divisional games. And peace.